The peace of our Lord be with you. The Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. At the beginning of our Old Testament passage, and in the middle of a long career of fighting, building, and singing, God gives David rest. Rest from his enemies all around him. It's a pivotal moment in the book of Samuel, a a history that, that, like many histories, often moves from one battlefield to the next as the tribes of Israel unite under the house of David. In some ways, it is also a singular moment. This moment of rest will not last. In the next chapter, the Restful reminder of God's covenant will return to the battlefield where David's armies will fight Philistines, Moabites, and eventually his own son. For a man who received more than his share of victories and defeats, blessings and curses, it's nice to see God give him rest for a bit. We all need it. Even the most ambitious and productive among us requires rest. Rest is a nice gift to get, a a nice place to settle down, but at times it seems a difficult gift to receive. Looking back, when when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God didn't give rest as much as God commanded it. Every seven days, actually. And this rest was not a settling down for a time. It was a cessation, marking the end of the week. A line drawn along the horizon as the sun comes to rest on the Sabbath night. I love the idea of commanding rest, of ordering Sabbath. It's it's a beautiful thing you can picture. I mean, sacred silence rising as the sun is setting. I like to picture it in my own house. 7 p.m., we finish dinner. My wife, my little guy and I, sitting around, basking in the bounty of the meal. And I turn to my child, commanding. Son, fruit of our love, joy of my life. It's time to go night-night. <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me with those, that, that joyful light of obedience beaming from his big brown eyes and, and says, of course, Dada. Time for night-night. Dada, wise. Sleep now. Be happy tomorrow. <laughs> we walk to his bedroom, read our two pre-sleep books, pray, and he slides silently into sleep. Ah, commanding sleep. The only problem is that wonderful scene is a complete lie. (laughs) It doesn't work like that, at least not in my house. I know there there are lucky few who just get that magic going, but I I can't do it. I mean, he's two years old, and I, I understand it's 
It's a bit of a just developmental stage. But when I command him to do something, he doesn't see it as an opportunity for gracious obedience, but as a threat to his very essence, his freedom, his control, and he must defend against it. I know it's just part of a stage, but, but he really likes to test me. But I can't give in. I have to persevere, stay consistent, listen, speak calmly when possible. But man, he really gives me a run for my money. And on different nights, my mandate deteriorates into a battle of wills, a duel over diapers, or a perpetual negotiation as Wake multiplies the two pre-sleep book readings into thousands. Like, like Jesus with a couple fish. <laughs> Mandating rest. It's a beautiful commandment. It's a, a healthy practice and a prime example of Israel's unique relationship to God. But we all know it hasn't really worked out that way. Long before Sabbath restrictions were, were soundly defeated by soccer tournaments and brunch God's children found ways to turn rest into toil, vacation into work, and Sabbath dinner into a fast food run between appointments. Mandating rest doesn't always work. The difficulty we have complying with this command surprises me if for no other reason than its practical necessity. We will literally die without sleep. Study after study reveals how lack of sleep limits our cognitive and motor functions. We're slower, dumber, more vulnerable to illness, and not very nice when we're tired. Several studies of my own that I've conducted show that lack of sleep makes me far less patient and more likely to say that thing that I really should not have said when I wasn't really listening and just wanted to be done with everything anyway. Humans need rest. Bumblebees need rest. Plants need rest. Soil needs rest. Even LeBron James had to sit down at some point in the NBA Finals. And for the SEC fans, like, even Nick Saban takes a day off once a year. <laughs> Urban Meyer gave him an extra week off this year. I don't know what he did. But more than an ancient religious law, the need for rest is built into our bodies, hearts, and minds. As followers of Jesus, every one of those things which we intend to love God with requires sleep. When we define divine command and push our physical and physiological limits, we threaten the very things we promise to God. Like divine commands, humans challenge the natural limits of rest with necessity and urgency. In a culture that can't wait, we often form our lives around the impatient immediacy of our own importance. It's kind of sad how easily something I choose to do becomes something I need to do. At times, I, I can't tell the difference between my choices and my needs as I create a life caught in the current of Christ and capitalism and whatever I see other people enjoying. 
There's something idolatrous, I think, about refusing to rest when given a chance. It implies that what must be done must be done by us, as if, as if God's work may not go on without us. After receiving rest from his enemies, David responds by pointing out that God's house isn't quite as nice as David's, implying that he maybe should build God a nicer one. But God quickly reminds David that the Lord was shepherd over Israel long before he plucked David from the pasture. God will be faithful to David, building the house and family of David. But the work of the Lord is far larger than any one life. It's often easier to see the imbalance between rest and work in others' lives more than in our own. So while it's easy to like vilify someone else's misplaced priorities, there are also those with good reason not to rest. In an article for the New York Times back in 2011, Dr. Pauline Chin described a time in her medical residency when her program was understaffed and she and her fellow residents tried what they called power 60s, pushing through 60-hour shifts in order to cover the workload. It's admirable. They were literally working to serve, heal, and cure the sick. Those at the center of God's care and Jesus' ministry. But it's also absurd and unhealthy. In our gospel passage this morning, Jesus reminds the disciples of their own limits, gathering them around him to say, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Doctors and disciples need rest too. Even when our intentions are to do good, to do real good, the most Jesus-y kind of good that we can do, doing our best requires we rest. It's a divine command. It's a practical reality built into our bones. And as our Old Testament passage says today, it's a gift God gives us. I didn't see it as a gift I could give until I became a parent. Because of her work schedule, Chase wakes up with Wake during the week. The only opportunity she has to sleep in is during the weekend, which isn't, isn't all that abnormal. But when your child routinely wakes up at 5.30 or earlier, Saturday mornings come too early. So, one day each weekend, I get to give her the gift of rest. She can sleep in the guest room, turn the sound machine up, turn her maternal radar down, and sleep through the morning. It's more than getting to stay in bed, though. Like, it's a gift. It's the rest of knowing that her child is taken care of, accounted for, and, and the important work that she is called to as a parent will go on without her for a few hours while she rests. 
It's a good gift to get. God clearly wants us to have it. And our bodies genuinely need it. And yet, and yet, there are those among us whose enemies have not given them a chance. I doubt any of us will face Philistines in armed combat. But there are many of us who have been under attack far too long. Whether physical, psychological, personal, or institutional, we haven't gotten to put our swords down in a while. The enemy is at the gate. We're in our minds. Shows up again on an MRI. And we have to fight. Stuart Scott was a popular anchor of ESPN Sports Center during my college days when, when rest was so abundant that I could watch the 11 a.m. Sports Center and the 11 p.m. Sports Center if I so chose. He was a great anchor and brought a lot of humor and um, new style to the position. But sadly, he passed away this past year from cancer. Like many, he described his life with the illness as a battle he fought. This past week was an anniversary of the speech he gave at the ESPYs last year, which is an ESPN sports award show where he was receiving an award for courage. I heard a replay of it on the radio while I had this passage running through my mind this week, and I was was struck by the thoughtfulness and truthfulness with which he described his fight. Facing a disease without a cure and receiving a treatment that invaded every aspect of his life He had the insight to say, fight. And when you get too tired to fight, then lay down and rest and let somebody else fight for you. He spoke of doctors, nurses, family, and friends who sat beside him and fought for him when he couldn't fight for himself. Their effort, their presence, allowed him to lay his weapons down. It is a gift. There are moments when God gets to give us the rest God wants us to have. But there are also times when our enemies won't let us have it. In those moments when we can't receive God's rest, let us fight to give it to one another. It is built into our worship and central to our shared life. Every week, we gather in this sanctuary to read together, pray together, listen together, and sing together, asking God for rest while at the same time offering rest to one another. We sing for God, and at the same time, we sing for one another, offering what we have when others have nothing to give speaking up 
when others don't have the voice to speak. We may confess our sins in silence, but we receive forgiveness as a family. We have crosses to bear, but we have a church to bear them together. We put pen to paper, a voice to the phone, a casserole at the door, and knees to the floor on behalf of one another because we get to be God's rest to the weary. We hover in hospice houses and sleep in hospital beds because in Christ we are built into a dwelling place for God, offering the peace our enemies wouldn't let us have. God desires that we rest. However, when God doesn't give us rest, God gives us one another. Amen.